chapter 6. And this will be our fifth sermon from the study on the Christian and his battles. I know if you've been serving the Lord any time at all, you can definitely relate to the fact and reality of serving the Lord. You will face battles. Starting here in verse 10 of Ephesians chapter 6, the Bible says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity to again to find ourselves in, in your word, Lord, openly gleaming in this state of freedom that we have in this country, which many don't even understand this liberty that we have here. Lord, I pray that this evening in the service that we take it not for granted, Lord, but open our hearts, our hearts and our minds to receive this word. Lord, give me the words to speak. Hide me behind the cross. May your name be magnified. We praise you and thank you. Thank you for all of the love and all of the grace and all of the mercy you've showed upon our lives. Now, Lord, help us to focus together in on your word and glean for the inspiration that Paul had written down here for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Our focus here this evening, we've seen on Sunday, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth. And this evening, I want to focus in the next part of that verse, verse number 14, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. This morning I found myself in a, a weird situation. I'm not one person who likes to sleep in. Or, Matter of fact, I feel like if I sleep in, I've almost ruined my entire day. But this morning I woke up and it was a weird situation because it was light outside. My family was already dressed and ready to head out the door, and I had slept through all of the alerts. I had slept through all of the commotion of everybody getting ready. I jumped up and ran to the shower trying to start my day, frustrated that I missed the alert. Frustrated that I missed the wake-up call. 
Though we may find ourselves in our lives frustrated when we miss wake up calls and we miss alerts. Let's not get so busy this evening with things that are going on in our life that we miss the wake up call that Ephesians chapter 6 is offering unto us. It is the wake-up call. It is the high alert of all the Bible and of all the New Testament saying that the Christian will engage in spiritual battles. It is Satan's desire as we heard Sunday night as he, roar, as he goes about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. His sole desire is to devour our walk. His soul desires to devour our Christian life. Walk, he, our Christian life. He doesn't want to cripple us. He wants to ruin that which we have. We've seen that the number one thing to do on Sunday morning was to gird our loins up with truth. But here, Paul takes it a step further and tells us that we must put on the breastplate of righteousness. Our mind and heart as we think about this breastplate of righteousness should immediately be drawn to when we think about righteousness, we think about holy, we think about this higher standard of living, we think about purity. And so it is even for us when, we, when Paul calls for the believer to put on the breastplate of righteousness, it is the truth. This is exactly what he's calling us to, to a higher, holier standard of living. He urges the believer to put this on. This, for the Roman guard, this breastplate was no, you know, wear it if you want piece of equipment. This piece of equipment, the breastplate, was pivotal to battle. It was pivotal for protection. Matter of fact, it was said that the breastplate protected all of the upper vital organs. The main purpose of the breastplate was to protect the lungs and to protect the heart. And so it is for the believer. The breastplate of righteousness is to protect the heart of the believer. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4 and verse 23, keep thy heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. Out of the heart. Matthew chapter 15 and verse 18 and 19 says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from where? Come forth from the heart and they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, not out of the mouth. From out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, and blasphemies. Hear me this evening. Paul's urging to the believer is protect your heart because it is in the heart that Satan seeks to sow doubt. It is in the heart where Satan seeks to sow problems. And once the heart is corrupted, coming forth out of the heart are the things that defile a believer's walk. He says, putting on this breastplate of righteousness. The heart must be protected. Paul says that this protection comes from putting on righteousness. 
Now, there is no confusion here. Some like to confuse it and, and twist it. And, and then they like to say that when Paul is saying, put on the breastplate of righteousness, that they like to say that Paul is inferring to put on the imputed righteousness of God. But we know this to not be true, simply put, because we cannot put on our own righteousness. Our righteousness is in two places this evening. Know this. Our righteousness is not only positionally, but our righteousness is also practically. Positionally, we are saved. And if we're here, we're saved. Positionally, we are made righteous through Christ before God's eyes from that moment of salvation until the end of all history. We are positionally found righteous in God's eyes. I want us all to know if we're here, we're saved. This is our condition. You didn't do it. You didn't add to it. The Lord did it. Your charming good looks, your intellect did not make God look down upon you and say, hmm, I need them on my team. There is nothing, absolutely nothing about us that God looked down upon us and say that they would be pivotal to us. It wasn't no righteousness in our behalf. Matter of fact, Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 summarizes all of that when he says that all of our righteousness was filthy rags. Your bank account didn't charm the Lord. It wasn't none of that. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, and yet we stand positionally in faith through him. The dying thief on the cross was told that today thou shalt be with me in paradise. There was no baptism needed. There was no works needed. It was at the moment of faith positionally he was found righteous before God. What Paul is talking about here, about putting on righteousness, about putting on this breastplate of righteousness, even though we're positionally secured, we are practically moving forward in our righteousness. We should be living out this righteousness every day. And how do we live out righteousness? How do we put on this breastplate of righteousness by making right decisions every day, by pursuing righteousness every day. Some have taken it to say that and taken it afar off that they say that now that they are positionally made righteous in God's eyes, that they have this newfound liberty in Christ. And it is true, the Bible speaks in Corinthians that we have new liberty in Christ, but it is not to make an occasion of the flesh. It is contradictory when Paul calls the believer to put on the breastplate of righteousness, which positionally means that we are striving to live righteous every day, that we are striving to live to the truth of God's word, and we say positionally that's where Paul wants us to be every day, and yet our freedom contradicts the righteousness of Christ. It is confusing, and yet it is a untrue matter. Putting on the breastplate of righteousness, we must strive to, in this matter, protect our heart. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says what? Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. We're new creatures 
in Christ. But yet, when we are new creatures in Christ, and we do not put on the breastplate of righteousness, it manifests itself in many different ways. Just a few weeks ago, a brother called, uh, I'll even say this, it was a pastor called me, thinking that I would know some some facts about a matter. When he went to ask me about it, there wasn't much insight that I could offer him about this, but the brother laid out a tangent of cursing this other pastor. I was so taken back, I didn't even know what to say. He has this name where positionally he is righteous before God's eyes. But practically, where he is supposed to be living out his salvation, where he is supposed to be working out his salvation with fear and trembling, where he is supposed to be girding his loins up with truth, where he's supposed to be striving to be a mirror image of Christ, he failed. He put down the breastplate of righteousness. And so it is for each and every one of us as we're engaged in the battle. We must keep in mind that God would never call a maneuver for us to do that would present us unrighteous in his eyes. God would never call for us to do a maneuver that is going to bring shame to his name. That is not the breastplate of righteousness. It is that we conduct ourselves and that we do things that are right before him and that we protect our hearts from the enemy's attack. I believe it's okay to say that if a person is saved, that he's a new creature. It means he has new speech. It means that they have a new walk. We must strive to protect ourselves from emotional outbursts that seem that are the seed of Satan to try to sow in our hearts. In Romans, the Word of God teaches us that God is righteous. In Romans... The Bible teaches us that God is always righteous. It teaches us that he is always right, that he always does right, and it is impossible for him to do anything wrong. He makes no mistakes, and he is not swayed by fear. We would call this his attributes. They are immutable, meaning they do not change. He has always been this way, and he will always be this way. And as God does what he does because of who he is, we too do what we do because of who we are, meaning we are sinners by birth. Everything in our nature, everything in our practice, our choices, they're they're tainted. Even our most noble thoughts that we think of in our life, even these things where we say, well, look what I did. I don't know if you did, but heard this, but I did this to help brother so-and-so, and and I did this to help sister so-and-so. Even though it is Christ-like, the reason we bring it about is because our Motives are tainted by the flesh. We want attention. Look what I did. It is our own self-righteousness that is being exalted. Remember what the parable the Lord told in the book of chapter Luke, in the book of Luke chapter 18, verse 11 through 14, about the Pharisee who stood and prayed. 
The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Was it wrong that the Pharisee fasted? No. Matter of fact, he fasted more than even the law said to. Was it wrong that he tithed on everything that he had? No. That's what the Bible called for him to do. All of these things that he did, all of these things that he said unto the Lord, they were right, but they were the wrong reason. He presented himself and all that he had done as his own righteousness unto God. His actions were tainted with pride. Matter of fact, you could summarize all of his words in one word, works. His righteousness was based on works. Titus chapter 3 and verse 5, we know the first sins, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. As this Pharisee promoted his own righteousness, it brings us to the amazing part of the gospel. Because we could never imitate Christ. It's not even what he calls us to do. Because even in our own works, we would become prideful. But instead, what does Titus say to us? Instead, Titus says that God gives us his righteous nature by the means of regeneration. He gives us the Holy Spirit to live within us. And because the Holy Spirit lives within us, we can, we can reproduce Christ's righteousness through us, through the working of the Holy Spirit. That is how we are supposed to show the world the righteousness of God through living righteously. Because the Holy Spirit indwells within us. We must step away from a thought process of who we are in this life. It's foolishness. We get too wrapped up, I think, oftentimes, whether it's positions in the church, titles in the world. Positionally, you were no more of value before God's eyes. There was not Christ in your works. It was not Christ in your bank. It wasn't Christ in anything. It was Christ alone. Matter of fact, when it came to confidence in the flesh, when it came to this self-righteous attitude, Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 4 through 6, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he whereof he might trust in his flesh, I more circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, of the tribe of Benjamin. I mean, Paul is laying out here a list of, of, of entitlements that if you were in Israel, it would quickly elevate you. I mean, to be a part of the tribe of Benjamin was no small thing. 
If you was to study the Old Testament and see how special this tribe was, uh, this was the tribe of Benjamin, the beloved child of Rachel, whom Jacob loved. It was Benjamin alone who was with Judah, who formed and reconstituted Israel in 1 Kings chapter 12. It was Benjamin who restored Israel after captivity, Ezra 4.1. It was Benjamin that was God's chief agent in the deliverance of Israel in the time of Esther from the wickedness of Haman. Paul said, this is the group of people that I belong to. And even more than that, in Hebrew of Hebrews, that's touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. Paul said, I had it all. I had what could be considered the righteousness in the New Testament by these people of Israel. But in verse 7, he says, but the things that were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. And then in verse 9, he says, and being found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness, which is of God by faith. He continues on in Philippians saying, not only is that, but I'm going to continue to press on. I'm going to continue to run this race. I'm going to continue to move forward. Though he had all of these things in their eyes, he says, I have not yet attained. I have not yet apprehended. But I press towards the mark. Our righteousness is not in what we have. It's not in fullest genealogy. When he says, put on the breastplate of righteousness. It is not self-righteousness. It is not what we have in this life. And when he says, put this on, it is not even our positional righteousness that we have in Christ. Paul says, none of those things made me righteous. But the question is for us is that if it's not positionally righteousness that he's talking about here, and he's not talking about imputed righteousness that we receive at salvation. Well, what is he talking about here to us? He's talking to us about the race and how we live righteously every day. That's called practical righteousness. Meaning that every day we should be gleaming and showing forth Christ in us and showing that we are different by living righteously before the world. Why wouldn't we want to live out this new faith that we have? This is the righteousness that we have in Christ. Let me try to put this in a different light. My wife on Sundays, whenever we go to leave the house, if it's raining or if it rained the night before, my wife always tells me to back the car to the end of the driveway because she doesn't want to get her shoes muddy by stepping in the yard. Even though the shoes are not brand new, she's trying to keep them looking like they're brand new. It makes sense. It makes no sense to have a go get a brand new pair of shoes because you're 
old shoes are worn out, dirty, and exhausted, and the first thing you do is go out and get them muddy and filthy again. It makes no sense. And so it is that it makes no sense. As 1 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creature in Christ. It equally makes no sense for us to have this new breastplate of righteousness that is put upon us. And the first thing we do is run out and get involved in filth and dirty it up again. This is the striving for all of us as we put on this armor to not only recognize that we have a new life in Christ, but we should strive to protect that which has been made new. We should strive to protect our hearts from the world. We should strive to protect our lives and our, even our families from the things of this life. You know, sometimes we say to ourselves, and we should take this as our own thought process, just keep bouncing back to what I just said. If my wife was just to cut through the yard to get to the van, it would be much faster. But the risk of the exposure to being exposed to filth is high. If we would live our Christian lives, and as we prepare for battle, when we focus in on each day, we would focus on making steps that will ensure our purity instead of taking shortcuts, instead of saying, you know what, it's no big deal. I'm just going to do this, knowing that it's going to expose our lives and hearts to filth. You are guaranteed to dirty up the new life that you have in Christ. Listen, church, the church said that, listen, Satan seeks to attack the heart of the believer. If he can get to the heart of the believer, like Proverbs says, the issues of life will come forth. If he can get to the heart of the believer in anger, like I told you with the pastor, foulness will come forth. If he can get to the heart of the believer, he can hinder the believer's walk. All he has to do is get to the heart of the believer. Paul says, as you engage in this Christian battle, there is one thing that protects the heart of the believer, and that is what he has laid out as the breastplate of righteousness. And the breastplate of righteousness is the filter, so to say, from the enemy. If it is approaching you and it's not going to glorify Christ, the best thing to do is to have the breastplate of righteousness on and says, that's going to hinder my walk. It's not going to help my walk. The breastplate of righteousness is to keep on guard and protect yourself from any warfare that is going to cause you to hinder your walk. When the world looks at us, they should see the glorious light of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. They should see it as we flee these activities. They should see it that we do not engage in activities. Activities, And they should see that we live a life standed on guard from the enemy. There is something strange 
when a person says that they have a new life in Christ and it's no new life. There's something strange when someone gets something new and the first thing they want to do is make it dirty. There's something strange that when we say that we not only have this life that we strive to live for Christ, but that which we let pass the breastplate of righteousness is of no promotion to our Lord. So Paul says, first off, gird your loins up with truth. Everything must be based on truth. The second piece of armor Paul says you need is the breastplate of righteousness, which will protect your heart from the wicked wiles of the devil. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we give thanks to you, Lord. We praise your name, Lord, for allowing us to be here, Lord. I know that there were visitors next door in the um, kids group, Lord. I pray that uh, this evening, Lord, that the gospel will have been planted in their hearts, Lord. I pray that you'll work in their lives and allow them to come back, Lord. And I pray that you'll help us to maybe even reach their parents, Lord. We give thanks to you for all that you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.